0: Welcome to Commons and Chronicles, the podcast where we talk about all the best creative commons and reusable open game license content. If you need resources for your creative writing, game design, or you just love lore, Commons and Chronicles is for you. Hi everyone, this is 2, and you're listening to Chronicles and Commons. This episode marks a little bit of a shift, I think, in what this show is going to embody. And it was up in the air for me whether I should just start a new show, or keep down the path that this one is on, but move its focus slightly. And don't worry, it's it's not such a change. But I do want to, I wanted to broaden the scope of this show, to be sort of inclusive of general gaming mechanics and game talk and 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 move the focus away from exclusive being exclusively about lore. And the reason for that is because well frankly I've I've accomplished a lot of what I set out to do. And in the the very beginning I wanted to cover some of my favorite either open source or just public domain lore content and and I've covered a lot of it. I haven't covered everything. I haven't really talked about Tarzan. I haven't talked about Martian Chronicles which uh, a guy named Lyle on Mastodon has recommended that I talk about. So there are definitely some things out there that I still have my eye on about as 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 maybe a target for something that that ought to be covered. But it is there there's a considerable considerable amount of of research that is required of of picking apart a a especially a, a big series so far there's been a lot of small works that i've been able to pick apart i think conan was probably the biggest maybe lovecraft as well although i didn't really cover the the lovecraft universe or the 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 all of the mythos around lovecraft and i did that intentionally obviously but but i did just talk about dreamlands because that was what i was focusing on there there's a lot to cover in 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 certain other books trying to present the information in a logical and coherent way is it, it takes a little bit of of research and a little bit of writing and and so on so i figured i could either stop recording weekly or i could take a look at other gaming topics out there and cover them in the meantime as i do my research and writing and and try to lock down the the things in in larger works and this isn't this isn't entirely devoid of influence from the website mixedsignals.ml which if you, if you haven't been there yet uh, you should you should go there mixedsignals.ml it is the gaming blog that really is the the parent of this show i mean you've been to mixedsignals.ml/cnc to get this show whether you whether you realize it or not that's where you're downloading these episodes from but the the website itself has a bunch of articles every every week it has five it has a new article posted every day so there's a lot of content on there and i thought that it kind of made sense to to maybe talk about some of that content and cover cover some of the the stuff that we cover there. Now, not all of the content on there is always open-source-based. Uh, so, in other words, there are discussions on, on that site about about things that aren't in the public domain, like Evil Dead and Friday the 13th and other sort of classic influences on, on gaming and, and on a certain kind of storytelling. But there are other things out there that are relevant to storytelling and, and gaming that I figure... Yeah, they they should be they should get some coverage. They should have a little bit of have a little bit of um, airtime as well, and, and that'll help you if you don't read the blog. Then this might be a great way to catch up on some of the articles that you're missing. So in this episode and in in two more episodes after this, I want to talk about non combat XP. If if you play Dungeons and Dragons or a similar game, then you may know that, and you may know this even just if you think about uh the video games that you play you you know that that your character progresses by killing things that's the and and in fact your your character encounters resistance to accomplishing their goal usually in the form of life threatening conflict that that's usually it's more often than not and certainly traditionally it is it, it's it's been against a monster a monster is is threatening the the life of a character and if that character is able to defeat that monster in mortal combat, then that character advances. Now, you could argue that, technically speaking, traditionally it was actually based on gold pieces. Back in in very old school D and D, your your experience, the 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 level that your character was considered, and the powers that they had on the character sheet, were were based on well, experience points, and then experience points the, itself was was based on how much gold you had found. So the more gold you find, or the more wealth you find, the more experienced. Because the assumption was that as you find more gold, you're having to work harder to find more of it, and so your character is advancing. They're learning new skills. They're they're finding new weapons and so on. So that's kind of the base assumption of of D and D. And since D and D was is so influential, that's pretty much the base assumption of of any tabletop role-playing game you're likely to find. And obviously, that is also the base assumption of, of video games and lots of other things. It, it's, it's often about a life-or-death conflict, and that's kind of interesting in a way because there are lots of tabletop games out there, not role-playing games, but just board games, as we as we used to call them, I guess. There, there, there's lots of those out there that, that don't have anything to do with life-or-death scenarios, and they're very good ones, you know? there I mean, sure, there are some that, that are about life and death scenarios, about medieval warfare and things like that. But there's plenty out there, like Ticket to Ride or Forbidden Island or Flux, or lots of other things, that that don't talk about life or death at all. It's it's really just about here's your goal. It's a race against time, or it's a race against your other uh, your your competitors, the other players around the table, and and let's see what happens. So it is kind of interesting, I guess, in a way that D D really does make that assumption that, well, you're playing this to to kill things. And and it's not necessarily like you have a personal, deep-rooted need to kill something. It's just that that's the conflict presented to you in the game. And I, I could really see, and, and I'm sure they're out there. I, I haven't played them, but I'm sure they are out there. Games that don't really dwell on... Actually, that's not true. I have played them. Uh, Blue Planet is a great RPG from now i guess it still exists and and it, at least the way that my gaming group plays the a group that i'm a member of uh plays we we don't really have that much conf- uh, we don't have battles all that often there are there are conflicts of interest and there are there there's investigation to be done and there is talking to be done but we don't really fight very often and that's because combat in Blue Planet is actually pretty destructive. It doesn't take much to put a character down, so you try to avoid it. In D&D, that's just not the thing to do. It's just very rarely is that the the way that people play D&D, and that's okay. It's it's fun. The, the There's a very good system around battle and combat in D&D, and why wouldn't you utilize it? That said, not everyone out there necessarily wants to fight. Uh, this became apparent to me, I think, I don't know, relatively recently, maybe a year ago, when, when people in a gaming group that I was DMing for gave me subtle clues that the fight parts of D&D weren't necessarily the parts that were interesting to them. Those subtle clues usually included blank stares when I described exciting combat encounters and, and g- the gory ways that people were were being slaughtered. And And really, my players were were very much considering the battle that they had engaged in as self-defense, and they had no no interest in chopping people's limbs or heads off at all, and, and really just wanted to protect themselves. And when they could avoid combat, they would. They would engage people in discussion, no matter how threatening that person was, or that monster was. And I guess they're not the only ones, because recently, and I say recently probably meaning... Uh, probably a year ago now, so I guess I guess that doesn't actually add up. Yeah, it was it was back in August of 2017. So I think probably I started catching on to this. Geez, three years now ago. But anyway, uh, in August of 2017, the Wizards of the Coast, the publishers of Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, released what they call Unearthed Arcana. Unearthed Arcana is kind of uh, it's 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 post facto. Or, or apocryphal publications that are considered in beta. So Unearthed Arcana are optional rules, they're not very well play-tested, and they are considered to be things that you could try if you are playing d You could try to incorporate these rules into your game. Very often Unearthed Arcana becomes official in some other book, so, for instance, there's the Player's Handbook of D&D 5th Edition, and then there are other add-on books, like Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, or Volo's Guide to Monsters, and so on. Or, or what's the other one? Lost Coast, the Adventures of the Lost Coast, and so on. There a bunch of different publications come out, and sometimes they pull from Unearthed Arcana that have kind of proven their legs. Whether or not this Unearthed Arcana, called Three Pillar XP will ever become official, I cannot say right now, but it's a system that's worth looking at. If you don't use it, maybe it'll inspire you to use something similar or to try something different. If you do use it, maybe you'll have interesting feedback to send to the Wizards of the Coast, or to me for that matter. This is only one system that we're going to look at in this mini-series. One is the Unearthed Arcana 3 Pillar XP from Wizards that I'm talking about now. The next will be the Ultimate Intrigue book from Paizo, the publishers of Pathfinder, and then the third is a homebrew method that I implement myself, because I'm lazy. The Three Pillar XP system, as it is called in this Unearthed Arcana publication, and I'll, I'll include the link for that in the show notes, but it is dnd.wizards.com slash articles unearthed arcana three pillar XP. So if, if you're looking for it quickly, that's where it is. And and it's a it's a site worth following, the Unearthed Arcana division of Wizards of the Coast, because really interesting things come out like all the time there. So anyway, um three three pillar XP is this uh, really a drastically different XP system. To begin with, it starts uh or it, it bases its system on one hundred XP per level. So yes, you heard correctly. Players advance to the next level every 100 XP that they earn, and the, the plural they is significant here because XP is not awarded on a per-player basis but to the whole party, which honestly is the way I've always awarded it, as has every DM I've ever played with. So I don't know if there are others out there being more stringent about that. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of accounting to me. I always just give XP to the whole party. Anyway, the point being is that 100 XP per level is a pretty big change if you look at the uh, uh, Player's Handbook for D&D 5th edition. Second level is reached at 300 XP, so so by this system you'd be third level already, but in the, in the actual Player's Handbook you're only second level at 300 XP, you're third at 900 XP, you're fourth level at 2700 XP, and... 20th level is something like 335,000 XP, and again in this in this new proposed system, you'd be 20 uh, 2,000 XP would be 20th 20th level. Now there's an advantage there because in that in that system everything is hundred based, and we think in hundred based a lot, right? We we think of percentages every day, so in this advantage. Or in this system, there's the 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 advantage of of being able to look at, at XP potential and 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 conceptualize how much of a percent of a level it is it, it, it should earn you. So something very small may only earn you, for instance, 10 Xp because that would be ten percent of the way to the next level. Something smaller than that might be even less. Determining how much XP players have earned depends on their tier. T-I-E-R. Now, tier is a concept mentioned pretty much in passing on page 15 of the 5th edition's Player Handbook. And it sets this concept in place, which is tier 1 is an apprentice adventurer. That is levels 1 through 4. So if you're levels 1 or 2, 3, or 4, then you are considered a tier 1 player. Or a tier 1 character, I should say. Tier 2 is local heroes levels 5 through 10. Tier 3 are regional heroes, levels 11 through 16. And then tier 4 are archetypes, and that's at level 17 through 20. The three pillar system gets its name because it focuses on three kinds of common scenarios. So there's combat, social, intrigue, and exploration. Each pillar has unique goals. So within combat, players are rewarded for rendering a threat harmless which does not necessarily mean slaying it and that's significant of course under the current system you 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 could do the same thing you can I don't think that there's anything written anywhere that says the monster must be slain in order to earn the XP I've I don't think anyone's ever played it that way that I know if you subdue a a, a threat by tying it up and suspending it by its toes from the ceiling then any dm that i would know would probably give xp for that unless it was some kind of supernatural supernatural being that, that, where we have reason to believe that that letting it live at all would be would be harmful to the world but anyway in this one rendering a threat harmless awards xp and that's written into the the rule set social interactions are rewarding players for turning important npcs into allies aligning them with their own cause or denying them at as assets to their enemies, and I like that that concept that the social social interactions can be looked at as a form of of combat in a way, and you're possibly you're, you're possibly dueling with people to either align them with your own cause, to see it your way, or to turn someone who doesn't care about you or maybe doesn't even like you into an ally, or at the very least making sure that they don't ally with someone who is against you. And then finally, there's exploration, which rewards players for finding treasure or, finding dis- or or for discovering forgotten locations. Using discovering locations as an example, here's how a tier determines the amec- amount of XP. So at the first tier, which, remember, is levels 1, 2, 3, or 4, players gain 10 XP for discovering a site important to a small town. At second tier, levels 5 through 10, players gain 10 XP for discovering a site important to the kingdom. Third tier players, which is 11 through 16, gain 10 XP for discovering a site important to the world. And fourth tier, which is 17 through 20, uh, get rewarded for a site of cosmic importance. Now here's here's a hitch, here's the catch. Should a tier 1 party discover a site of kingdom-wide significance? So that's one tier above where they ought to. Remember, they normally get awarded for just finding a place of local significance of, 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 for a small town, for instance. Then they are awarded 10 XP for their current tier. So 10 XP, so they've just, they've discovered this site. So we give them the 10 that they would have earned if they had discovered less. And we give them the 10 for discovering, for, for the fact that, hey, you actually discovered something important to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it is cumulative. Uh, the same is not true though the other way. So if a tier two party discovers a site below their current place, they don't get any XP for for it at all. That's that they you know, so if you're a second level or a s rather a second tier, level five through ten, and you find a, a small altar that has great importance to a small town, you just don't get any XP for it. Now I'm gonna argue. But that's probably the weakest point in the system. It's not a deal breaker to the system, but that to me it, it's the kind of the weakest point because I, I feel like you know, to the small town, that's still important. But I guess the, the theory here is that well, that's just part of your job as a second tier. You know, you should be finding those all the time. We're going to reward you for a kingdom level. Uh, location, but we're not going to reward you for something that should just be second nature to you. And I guess there's a little bit of of fairness there. So similar definitions for XP amounts exist for social interaction as well. Combat, and and it's in the, that would be in the Unearthed Arcana, I'm not going to go over it here, but it's, it's worth reading, obviously, if you're going to try to use this. So similar definitions um, exist for the social interaction, but the combat it requires a little bit more calculation because all of the monsters in the monster manual already have the challenge rating the cr rating calculated based on you know the the actual system like the the way that people actually play D, not the three pillar xp version now in most cases players earn five xp per monster defeated or 15 xp if a monster's cr is twice the average player level. That's APL. I will, I will talk about that in a moment. If a monster's CR is half or less the APL, then only 2 XP is awarded. So, what does all that mean? Okay, well, it means that in the Monster Manual, if you look up a monster, you will find a challenge rating. That challenge rating is... It, it corresponds to something called the average player level. This is in D and D and Pathfinder both. Average party, uh, average player level. Actually, I think it is average party level. I say I'm I I, I think I, I said average player level, meaning average party level. Either way, same thing. You have a party of players. Let's say there are four of them, and they're all level four. You find the average of, uh, you find the average of all those of all those levels. So 4 4 4 and 4 is 16 divided by 4 people is 4. That's rather easy. If if all your players are the same level and they often are, then then the average is just whatever level they are. So if they're all level 3, then your average party level is 3. If you're if they're all 6, then your average party level is 6. It only really gets complicated if there's There's one or two players of a different level than someone else. And that does happen because people get hit by particularly nasty beasts and get negative levels. So you might have, let's say, three parties at level 10, and then you got the one guy who got two-level drained and is at an 8. So now you've got 10, 20, 30, 8, divided by 4 is nine. So the average party level there is nine. But generally, if you're if you're just starting out as a DM and you're thinking, what's the average party level? Just look at the, the, the levels that your players are. And if they're all the same, then that's your average party level. So to reiterate what the combat rules are, uh, you get five XP per monster defeated or 15 XP if a monster's CR, so if their CR rating, is twice the APL. So in other words, if you've got a party of third level players, that's a average party level of three and they're fighting a monster of cr6 and they defeat it then you give them 15 Xp because frankly that's it's well it's not impossible but that's really really hard CR ratings are are pretty th- th- I think that's probably the most i would I would maybe argue the the most scientific part of 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 d or the most number crunchiest that they really seem to fine tune the cr ratings and and make make it such that your players have a fighting chance at actually defeating a monster but not too much of a chance because then it doesn't feel fun anymore now if the monster's cr is half or less than the apl then you only get 2 xp so there's a, it's a bit of a a sliding scale there so if your average party le- uh, level is let's say a 4 and they're right they're, they're fighting a monster with CR2 or of CR2 then then they get 2 XP for that defeat because that's pretty easy. So this this system is is kind of impressive in a way because it reinvents the entire the entire base assumption of D&D and I guess in a way that's that's both its its greatest strength and its weakness because if you know D&D quite well then this is this does represent a rather drastic change potentially. That said, it's pretty easy to do all in all. I mean, the monster calculations probably going to be the, the sort of m- the most work intensive, although arguably not even that. Uh, that's because there, there are there, there's certain, there's a certain level of interpretation I guess. I mean the the adventures that you're running, unless you're running your own, they they probably don't they don't use the three pillar system. So you'll have to kind of, you'll have to figure out when they find some important location. Well, is that, well, actually that's that's probably one of the easier ones to figure out. But for instance, there's uh, the social interaction. I kind of skipped over that. So let's, I'll, I'll go through that. So tier one characters get 10 XP for having social influence over a small town or a village or someone important to a small town or village. They get 10 XP for having influence over someone important to a city they get 10 xp for someone important to a kingdom or a continent and then 10 xp for someone uh, influential in the cosmic sense including a deity itself and again those are cumulative upwards so if if a first or if a third tier player influences a deity then they're going to get the 10 xp for for their current level plus the 10 xp for the fact that they did one above their uh, above their level, there's there's even the same system for treasure. So if you find a treasure that is considered rare at the first tier, then you get 10 XP. At the second XP at uh, the t- second tier, you have to find things that are considered very rare to get XP for that for that discovery. So that's 10 XP. At third tier, you must find items that are legendary. Again, 10 XP award. Fourth tier, you must find an artifact for 10 XP. All of this fit, fits on a one-page cheat sheet, which, helpfully, Mixed Signals has published itself. Uh, you you can download it from MixedSignals.ml. It's on the non-XP, or non-combat three-pillar XP uh, blog entry. It It is one page, so you can download that and keep it in folded into the 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 front or the back of your player's handbook or your dungeon master's guide, and you'll have a cheat sheet that that explains it all for you pretty well. It's a fun little system i've I've tested it myself, and i've I've been pretty happy with it. As I say, I, I guess maybe the monsters is the most intensive because it requires numbers and sometimes sometimes that kind of, scares some people, but they're they're actually it's simpler than it seems. The average party level, like I say, is usually and you can usually even cheat if there's one player, if there's one odd man out that's like a layer a a, a level lower than everyone else, you can just pretend like they're the same level and it'll probably basically be the same. So you can kinda of fudge it a little bit sometimes if you're not good with numbers. Um and, and then you just have to do simple divisions is the C R T- uh, half of what the APL is, or lower, then I'll only give them this. If it's twice that or more, then you'll you'll give them 15 XP instead of 5 XP. So there there's a little bit of getting used to if you're a, a very experienced dungeon master or someone who's who's just learning and has learned and all your your resources are based on the existing system. But if you are someone looking for something that for a system that doesn't necessarily assume combat is the the way that your characters or your players rather want to progress their characters through the game, then this is a really really great resource because there really is there's no there's no analog for this in the in the default system. I mean, I guess there probably is here and there if you look through the players' handbook. I think there's there are some things about influencing people, but but as a a, a way to actually get through an adventure path or a a module i think you're you're not going to find all that in the dmg you're not going to find it written out for you but this this codifies it it makes it very official and it makes it more importantly usable across the board so you don't it wouldn't be something where oh well you guys didn't kill that person you you talked to them instead and actually turned them into an ally or you moved them up from being very unfriendly to you to being basically ambivalent towards you so here's this XP. This makes that very clear. It makes it official. It makes it all all the math work together. You're not just inventing XPs out of out of nowhere. There there are there's a very clearly defined rule about it and it also simplifies it so that when you do have to make things up, you can kind of Think in those percentages because a lot of us do anyway. And you know, well, this this was a fairly minor encounter, so I'll give them ten percent of a level for that. Here's ten XP. This was really small, so I'll just give them five percent, five XP. This was huge. I'll give them fifteen XP or twenty XP, so on. So it's a it's a it's a neat little system. It's very um, very clean. It's pretty simple, which I think is pretty common in a lot of things around 5e which is refreshing to quite a lot of people so if it's interesting to you you should go to unearthed arcana and try it out play it in a game and certainly i will put a link to the show notes for the cheat sheet which you can use after you've read the full unearthed arcana so that you'll remember all the different tiers and the xp awards for for all the different things that you can find that's it for this week thanks for listening talk to you next time that's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me uh, via email at klaatu at member.fsf.org. You can also usually catch me in IRC as Clatu. I'm on the Freenode Network. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.